Let's talk all about long-term care insurance, and this is the 34th episode of the Retirement Planning Education Podcast. Welcome to the Retirement Planning Education Podcast, where you can learn all about IRAs and Roth IRAs, employer retirement plans, taxes, Social Security, Medicare, Portfolio Withdrawal Strategies, Annuities, Estate Planning, and much more. And now here's your host, Andy Panko. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. We have a great one today. Today is actually one of two parts, taking a deep dive into long-term care insurance. Specifically, uh, this week's episode and next week's episode, episode 35, will be a replay of a live video I did with a special guest, Carrie Peabody of Clark Insurance. Carrie is a long-term care insurance expert and specialist. He joined me in my uh, Taxes and Retirement Facebook group back in April of 2021, when I was still doing a weekly live video every Wednesday night in that group. I would do uh, certain topics, you know, a, a spe- special to- a specific topic each week. And I would occasionally, once a month or so, bring on a guest to talk about certain things. Like we had uh, Chris Diagnis come and join, and that was episodes 29 and 30 of this podcast is where I replayed the, the video with him where we discussed dividend investing and equity income strategies. So I figured I already uh, basically covered and, and had these great in-depth discussions with, with lots of special guests in my Facebook group over the last few years. So why not recycle that audio, use it here in the podcast. It's still still timeless, still relevant, still super informative. So I thought you all would, would get a lot out of it. So today, as I mentioned, is the first of two parts of my video that I did a few uh, last year with Carrie Peabody of Clark Insurance, where Carrie and I went deep into long-term care insurance. So th- this is all he does. And we did the video as a sort of intro to intermediate level, breaking it down, talking about everything you ever want to know about long-term care insurance. What is it? How does it work? Where do you get it? What does it cost? What are the features to look for? What are things you should and shouldn't have? Um, when is it, uh, you know, at what stage in life does it does it make sense to consider getting it? Do you need it in the first place? Carrie was super informative, uh, super helpful. And in the video, we, we took a lot of listener questions, or I guess watcher questions, people who are watching live from the Facebook group. So you won't quite... Um, it won't quite flow the same now because you're getting just the audio in this episode or next episode, but there were lots of great questions uh, interlaced into the video that, that Carrie answered on the fly during the original airing. So uh, I was sure to recap and you know rephrase the question as they popped up on the screen during the live video. So you all will still be able to hear that now so you can know what question Carrie is addressing. So super excited for this. I, I know you'll get a lot out of it. Uh, hopefully you end up enjoying it. So I will stop blabbering my mouth now. And without further ado, I bring you part one of two of my previously recorded video discussion with Carrie Peabody about long-term care insurance. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another weekly edition of Taxes in Retirement Live. Oh, there, there it is. Yes, I am Andy Panko, owner of Tenant Financial. We got a special one tonight. I'm super excited. I'm joined by a uh, fellow professional uh, friend of mine. Carrie Peabody. Hello, Carrie. Hey, Andy. How are you? Doing well yourself? Good, thanks. So Carrie is a long-term care insurance specialist uh, from Clark Insurance in in Maine, the beautiful state of Maine. Uh, So Carrie and I know each other. We are acquaintances through the Financial Planning Association, which is the nation's largest network of uh, financial planners and and, and related businesses and services. Um, 
you know, we've come across each other uh, in the virtual world many times. And I've seen a lot of his content and comments about long-term care. And it was like, this is the guy I, I want to talk with for purposes of, uh, you know, doing a long-term care insurance themed uh, show because I, I am not an expert in it. So uh, thank you, Kerry. Sure. So briefly before we get going, just the disclaimer, this video is only general explanations and education. It is not specific tax, legal, investment advice. Before considering acting on anything you see in this video, first consult with your tax, legal, or investment advisor, which neither Carrie nor I are. We are just two people here rapping about long-term care tonight. Ain't that right? That's right. Um, so you know what I do, Carrie, right? Dad jokes. Oh, yes. That's why I'm here. <laughs> That's why everybody comes. Um, so... I wrote a song all about tortillas. Come to think of it, it was actually more of a rap, you know? <laughs> all right, they get better, I promise. Or maybe they don't, but still, I'm gonna read them anyway. I honestly didn't think that my father would steal from his job as a road worker. But when I got home, all the signs were there. <laughs> there's a stop, there's a yield. And, uh, you know, Carrie, I just gotta tell you, I wanna give a shout out to all the sidewalks for keeping me off the streets. Uh, okay, we're done now. I can't <laughs> right, talk any of this. Going home. Let me close my camera. It's over. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you. So, so Carrie, maybe tell us uh, you know, a little bit about yourself briefly. Uh, sure. I'm, uh, I'm an Air Force vet. I, uh, I've been in the insurance business now for a shockingly horrifying 25 years. All of that spent primarily focused on long-term care. Okay. Uh, I was a long-term care medical underwriter, so I was that poor guy behind the desk who got to read 73-year-old women's medical records day after day. Uh, mm. That wears on you after a while. Yeah. Uh, then I was a national sales director at Unum, and I flew around the country training agents about long-term care insurance and need. Okay. And for the past 17 years, I've been sitting across the table with families and business owners and helping them plan for this. That's awesome. And you have the uh, CLTC designation, right? Can you just give us a brief little spiel about what that is? Sure. It's certification in long-term care. It's just a, a, a course that a, a designation that a lot of agents will use when they will really want to get immersed in the whole long-term care business because it's, it's a complex need and it's yeah. a complex product and you need some specialization. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so just for everyone watching at home, uh, feel free to drop your questions, you know, in, in the comments section. I will, Carrie and I are just going to kind of, you know, chat about, explain about long-term care. Well, mainly he is. I'm just going to kind of sit here and listen. But um, feel free to, to drop in your questions along the way. I will uh, lace them in as they, as they seem to make sense. Um, all right, so, so maybe best place to start, just super high level, you know, what is long-term care insurance? Sure. So long-term care insurance, Andy, kind of fills in the holes that Medicare and health insurance won't take care of. Okay. Medicare does a really good job of paying for nursing home care if you break your hip and you need five weeks of skilled rehab, but that's really all it's designed to do. Yeah. Medicare will pay for some home care if you have a surgery and you come home and for a few weeks you need the visiting nurses to come in and change dressings and stuff like that. But it doesn't pay for what's known as custodial care. Okay. Custodial care is the kind of care you need when you get up and you need help doing the things that you do every day, like bathing and dressing. Mm -hmm. If you need somebody there with you when you're getting in and out of the shower and pulling your socks on, that's long-term care. Okay. Uh, it's also custodial care, and Medicare doesn't pay for that. The other type of long-term care is supervision because of a cognitive impairment. Uh, about 60% of all long-term care benefits are paid for people with cognitive impairments. That's Alzheimer's and senile dementia. Okay. If you just need somebody there with you to keep you safe, Medicare is not going to pay for that. So that's what we're right. And the defining triggers or activities or lack thereof that, that qualify as, okay, I need long-term care are, sure. are what? So in the past, before tax qualification kicked in in 1996, there were a lot of different ways to call, go on claim. But today, 
every tax qualified long-term care insurance product out there uses the same benefit triggers. I need substantial assistance with two of six activities of daily living. The activities are bathing, dressing, feeding, toileting, transferring, condoms, forget everything but bathing and dressing because 99 times out of a hundred, that's what puts people on claim. I need substantial assistance with bathing and dressing. Substantial assistance doesn't mean that I have to have somebody give me a sponge bath and dress me. It means I need somebody there with me while I do it so I don't get hurt. Okay. Okay. Really important point, you don't have to be sick. I don't have to have a diagnosis of Parkinson's. I don't have to have had a stroke. I might just be 87. And because I'm 87, I'm frail and I need somebody there with me. Okay. So that's That's the physical way to go on claim with long-term care insurance. The the other way is if I need substantial supervision. And again, that's because I've got some sort of a dementia issue or I I had a a head injury. doesn't matter how you got there. I'm cognitively impaired to the point where I need supervision. Okay. And are the definitions of these qualifying triggers, daily living, are there standardized across all insurers, all products? or Every tax-qualified long-term care insurance product. Now, that includes traditional standalone long-term care. It includes the hybrid products that are filed as long-term care products. Okay. It includes long-term care annuities. There are some life insurance products out there that have what we call chronic illness riders, and that's kind of the Wild West. Those aren't held to the same standards that real long-term care products are. Interesting. And, and what, can you just back up? What's the tax-qualified differentiator you're, you're mentioning? Sure. So tax-qualified policies, again, came around in 1996. They okay. all have to use the same contract, the same basic contract wording with specific consumer protection features. They have to use the same benefit triggers. You get some potential tax deductibility on the front end, Okay, although that's okay. fairly limited. But the big, the, the the important thing there, Andy, is if you go on claim 26 years from now and you're getting, you know, reimbursed $2,600 a, a week for long-term care, that's not taxable as income. Got it. And so pre-96? We're pre-96, again, it was, it was a different world. <laughs> okay. Are there still, I mean, I guess there may be, but sounds like for the most part, anyone who, who buys a policy today will be tax qualified. You'd have to work really hard to find a policy that wasn't tax qualified. Got it. Okay. Interesting. Um, So here, some pretty general questions, and and maybe we'll get to these in in indirect ways. A question from Teresa Wood. Oh, never mind. Sorry. That's a question about the the technology of the video. Sorry. Um, I meant this one. David Fultz, what is the ideal age for applying for long-term care insurance? So we we didn't get to the dirty details yet, but, um, you know, thoughts about this, Carrie? Sure. The day before you have your stroke. I mean, that's the perfect perfect. (laughs) Um, Most people are doing it between 55 and, and 60. Okay. Uh, okay. now it, I bought mine at 40, but I'm in the business. Okay. I understand the need and I can't go and talk to clients about something I don't believe in. So I've had it forever and it's okay. cheap, and that's a good thing. You want to do it before 65. If at all possible, you can do it all the way up to 79, but the longer you wait, the more expensive it's going to get. And the more likely you are to have medical issues that are going to keep you from getting covered. Now, is it like life insurance in the underwriting where your age is, is- you know, it's black and white. You hit this next age threshold, it will be higher. Or is it all facts and circumstances about health issues and whatever? Uh, no, it's 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 age banded. So so if I'm okay. if I'm 56, I'm going to pay more than I pay at 55. Now the big jumps are probably at 55, 60, 65, 70. But it's going to get it. more expensive every year if you put it off. Okay. And so 55 to 60, you said. And why is that the sweet spot? 
Uh, because people have have actually have they they built some assets. They're starting to think about retirement. They've got this big gaping hole in their retirement plan. That is, what if I need long term care? And they're talking to people like you about it. Okay, interesting. Um, now, does it is there a point where so you got yours at forty? You know, is there any special discount or reason to do it other than kind of you know you want to have it, know how it works, have it for yourself if you're going to sell it? Um, why not 50? You know, is there an age where it's too young where you're kind of, even though the premium's cheaper, sure. you're spending a lot more of it over time versus, you well, know. You want to make sure that you've got your your other, let's say, age-appropriate priorities taken care of first. If you come to okay. me at 35 and you don't have any life insurance, I'm not going to tell you long-term care insurance. Okay, yeah. So it, it really, you know, I've, I have 40-year-old, I had a one woman who had to wait to turn 40 to buy the product she wanted to buy. But she and her husband were very successful financially. They didn't have any children, didn't plan on having any children. So it was a good time for them to get it out of the way. So it's all situation dependent. Okay, great. Um, who are the providers of long-term care? Uh, good question. It, when I started in this business, there were nearly 100 companies that would sell you a standalone long-term care insurance policy. Today, there are maybe 10. Wow. Uh, Mutual of Omaha, best product on the market, very experienced carrier. National Guardian Life is a good, solid carrier. They've been in the business about six years now. Okay. Uh, Thrivent, uh, Fraternal Society, very good, solid company. Uh, those are the really the, the sort of ones that are available through any agent or any independent agent. Then you've got proprietary companies like Northwestern Mutual, New York Life. But on the traditional side, there aren't more than, than nine or ten carriers. Wow. Now, maybe um, this may answer some future questions people have, but can you walk through the basic features or structure of the, the, the most plain vanilla example of long-term care insurance you can. Okay, you can sure. Uh, well, there are really four key parts to a long-term care insurance policy. Okay. All right. Life insurance is pretty simple. This person dies, this person gets a check. All right. Long-term care has got a ton of moving parts. These are the only four that really matter. I'm getting this right and left thing screwed up here. Okay. <laughs> uh, these are the four things that you pick and choose when you buy a policy that control how much you can get out of the policy and just as importantly, how much it's going to cost. Okay. okay? The first thing you're going to choose is your benefit amount. If I go on claim and I need long-term care services, how much can I get out of my policy every day or every month to pay for those services? Okay. Second thing you're going to choose is a benefit period. If I go on claim and I need long-term care services, how long will my benefit last? Okay. okay. Now, for traditional policies, that's a little bit conf a little bit misleading, if you will, because what you're really buying is a pool of money. And their reimbursement product. So let's say I buy a policy with a hundred dollar a day benefit and a three year bucket of money. Well, if I do the math, what I really bought was a bucket of money of one hundred eight thousand dollars. Okay, three hundred and sixty five times three times one hundred dollars a day. That's one hundred eight thousand dollars. Okay. If I go on claim and I use the full one hundred dollars a day every day, day after day after day, my pool would be empty in three years. But if I'm receiving care at home and I'm only using $50 a day, I'm leaving $50 a day in that pool so it could last as long as six years. So what you're really buying is that bucket of money. Okay. Got it. Yep. So benefit amount, benefit period. Then you buy, they call it the elimination period. It's very foreboding. Uh, <laughs> it's your deductible. You get an offender bender with a car, you pay the first 500 bucks. With long-term yep. care insurance, how many days am I going to be on the hook for my own care before my policy will kick in? Okay. Average today is 60 or 90 day deductible for most clients. Okay. And then because you're buying this in your in your mid 50s, most likely, uh, and you're not going to go on claim. Well, we hope you're never going to go on claim. But if you do, it's likely to be 20, 25 years down the road. You want to put some inflation protection on that policy. 
So both your benefit amount and your benefit pool are going to increase automatically every year because care gets more expensive. Got it. So those are the four key building blocks. There are a ton of riders. Most of them are trash. Okay. The only rider that I sell on a pretty consistent basis is shared care. And Which that is. just lets you, lets a husband, a wife, or a couple combine their benefit pools. If one of them uses up their entire bucket of money, then they can dip into the spouses. Oh, great. Okay. So is that something worth considering then? Absolutely. About 75% of the clients I work with, the couple clients do shared care. Okay. Now, I'm sure this is all over the map, but can you give, to the extent there are averages, like what is the average benefit amount, benefit period, elimination period? You said 60 to 90 days, typically. Um, So I can give you that, but let me explain how I come up with that, okay? okay. Yeah, please. Uh, First of all, for everybody, if if you want a really good resource to look look up how much care costs in your area, go to genworth.com. Okay, go to genworth.com, click on the aging and you, and then cost of care. And it'll tell you in your city, in most cases, how much care is going to cost you today and how much is going to cost you 10, 15, 20 years from now. So it's a really good tool. All right. So I usually use that if I'm working with clients for, say, in California, I'll go look up how much care is going to cost in their area and I'll yeah. use that to build their plan. Now, an average plan for me, Andy, isn't built around nursing home care. Okay, because most people receiving long-term care benefits aren't in the nursing home. They're either at home or in assisted living. So I usually build the plan as a safety net and I wrap it around a home care need typically. So an average plan for me is maybe $4,500 a month or $150 a day. Okay. Typically a three-year benefit period, 90-day deductible. So you're on the hook for the first 90 days. Okay. Uh, and usually a 3% compound inflation rider these days. 3%. Wow. Okay. 3%. Yep. I, I would have expected those are, you know, one to maybe two, 3% sounds fairly good actually. Yeah. 3% is still pretty generous, but we don't know, you know, what's going to happen with right. care costs. So I'd rather, yeah. 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 And, and we were discussing before, uh, before we went live that when I do modeling and projections with clients, I, I assume 5% annual increase indefinitely for all medical and long-term care expenses. Right. Um, and you had mentioned, you think at least the last five, six years or so prior about 4% ish is more the yeah, average three, three to four. You're going to have okay. ups and downs yeah. naturally, but three to four, I think was going to work pretty well for most people. Okay, great. Um, let me, there's some slightly particular questions here, but can long-term care giver prepare meals for the person? That's an excellent question. I'll use my mother-in-law to answer that question. My mother-in-law became the poster child for long-term care benefits, okay? Uh, She had two long-term care insurance policies, and and doofus long-term care professional here kept telling her she's got too much coverage. Thank God she didn't listen to me uh, because she wound up, again, a long-term care poster child. She she was in a skilled nursing facility for a little over a year, learning to walk again, and then she received 24-7 home care for almost two years. So when her caregivers were at the house, the whole bathing and dressing thing that triggers the policy benefits, yeah. that's a very small part of, the, of what the caregiver is doing while they're there. Uh, you know, she couldn't be left alone. So the caregivers would come in and they do the whole bathing and dressing thing. And that would take an hour, an hour and a half. The rest of the day, the caregivers were running to get groceries. They were cooking meals. They were doing chores. Okay. So all of that stuff, that's even outlined in the policies today, homemaker services. Now, you still have to have those basic triggers, but once those triggers are there, the caregivers are doing a lot of different things. And how how restrictive are the insurers? Like, do they play games? Like, no, we, we don't think you really need help getting out of bed or dressing yourself, um, right. you know? 
Excellent, excellent question. So think about this. If, if we're talking about disability insurance and if I can go on claim and just get a check for $5,000 a month instead of going to work, that's a pretty good incentive. Yeah. People don't, it's not a very incentivizing event to have people come into your house and bathe in dress. <laughs> right? So sure. yeah, sure. The carriers are going to verify that yes, Ethel does need the care, but it's a fairly user-friendly process. Now, okay. Where they can be restrictive, and I and I mean restrictive in the bar, broadest sense of the word, is with traditional long-term care insurance policies, you're going to have to use either a licensed home health care agency or a licensed independent professional. Okay. They're typically not going to pay you to, to pay a child or, or a neighbor to provide your care. Some of the hybrid products will do that, but that's a different model. Okay. And do they – so not like um... – not just a random friend, but spouse, other relative, they typically wouldn't qualify as a caregiver in this case? Not traditional, right. Okay. Not standalone long-term care. Yep. Uh, I, I guess this will depend as well, but regarding elimination period, so this is a 60-day elimination is if you do have a qualifying long-term care event, you can't do two of the six activities. Right. You're on the hook for the first 60 days, for example, of paying after the 60-day elimination policy cover, uh, coverage kicks in. Right. Um, just sort of like orders of magnitude, can, can you give any color as to like whether you go 60 days or 180 days, for example, right. um, how does that impact the, pol- the premium? So, so I can show you a policy with a zero day, a 30 day, a 60 day, a 90 day, a 180 day. Okay. Uh, most people are going to wind up in the 90 day and I'll explain why in just a minute. If I show you a zero day elimination period versus a 90 day elimination period, the cost is probably going to come pretty close to doubling. Okay. Okay. Most of the, because remember, there are a lot of people that go into the nursing home for five or six weeks for skilled rehab. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thousands and thousands compared to the people who are going to be in there for 90 days. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so most people are going to wind up in a 60 to 90 day. A lot of people say, well, what if I buy a 180 day elimination period? Okay. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll absorb an extra three months of, of care expenses if it really takes my premiums down. There's probably no more than 10% difference in price for a plan between a, a, a 90 and a 180 day elimination period because they know Got if it. you're there 90 days, there's a pretty darn good chance you're going to be there in 180 days. Okay. So everything's geared towards that. Sh- the short, the short front end stuff is where the carrier's real risk is. Got it. So, so yeah, I guess zero to 90, big difference. 90, 180, not a big difference. It's probably being penny wise, pound foolish at that point. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. Okay. Because I, if you know, if I go on claim in 20 years, a nursing home costs. $15,000 a month, yeah. I've taken on an additional $45,000 of risk to save myself 300 bucks a year. Yeah, okay. Got it. And, and what is, uh, anecdotally, I thought it was like two years or so. What, what is the average stay or average duration of needing long-term care? I guess there's a different in-home versus in-facility as well. Um, well, see, that's it. People grab this, this, first of all, statistics are, are pointless. They're useless. Ignore yeah. them. Especially when the guy across the table says 70% of people are going to need long-term care. Kick him out of the house. It's a lie. Okay. It's not, it's not true. Okay. My, my, oh. my joke is uh, 60% of statistics are made up. Yeah, exactly. I, I can think about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the average nursing home stays two and a half years. Okay. Again, that's thousands and thousands of little old ladies who break a hip and spend five weeks in a bed. Okay. And it's three poor people who don't have any family around and they have Alzheimer's and they spend eight years in the nursing home. Okay. So that, it's really misleading. But again, most people on long-term care claim aren't in the nursing home. They're at home. Now, if you go to like a website, say the family caregiver Alliance and look at some of their statistics, they're going to tell you that the average family caregiver provides four and a half years of care. Okay. okay. So in my mind, 
if I give, if I put a client in a plan that's going to do a pretty good job of covering the cost for most home care scenarios, and we give them a three or a four year benefit period, we're going to help them with all but the absolute worst case scenarios. Okay. Yeah. Right. Worst case being like those seven, eight year yeah. tail event. Right. Uh, okay. Got right. it. Um, what health issues prevent you from being approved for long-term care? How's that oh, good? another excellent question. Okay, everybody listen closely. I'll deny I said this, okay? <laughs> Do not go to your doctor and say, gosh, doc, I'm concerned about my memory until after you buy your long-term care insurance, okay? 60% of long-term care insurance claims are for cognitive issues and they are hideously expensive claims. So until you get your long-term care insurance, then go tell your doctor your memory's going, okay? Okay. Uh, So what will keep you from getting long-term care insurance? If you're an insulin-dependent diabetic, it's going to be next to impossible to get traditional long-term care insurance, but there are some other products you might be able to get. Uh, If you, again, memory issues, if you've got severe rheumatoid arthritis, uh, anything that limits you in any way on a daily basis from doing your normal daily activities, the the underwriters are going to look at that and say, yeah, this is just going to get worse as time goes on, okay? Comorbidity. Uh, maybe I've got type two diabetes and I might be okay, but I've also I'm also 50 pounds overweight and I smoke. Well, again, you're going to make it really tough. Respiratory okay. issues like COPD. If you're still smoking with COPD, not going to happen. Okay. So it's really chronic health issues. Got it. Um, so you mentioned like type two. Um, sorry, uh, type one or even type two, dependent on insulin. Probably not a good shot getting traditional policy, but there's right. alternatives. This may dovetail nice into this question. Uh, maybe this is where you're going. Pros and cons of regular versus hybrid. And I don't know what MoneyGuard is, but um, it's a hybrid a possibility for someone that is insulin dependent or otherwise not qualified to, uh, to get traditional. Maybe. Uh, okay. Again, insulin dependent type 1 diabetics is going to be tough for any long-term care product. Okay? okay. If I'm an insulin dependent diabetic, I may have better luck going with a life insurance policy that has a long, excuse me, a chronic illness rider. Okay. Now, that's not a tax-qualified long-term care product, but you can get money out of the life insurance policy to pay for long-term care services, but the benefit triggers are different, and more importantly, the benefits can be very vague. Okay. It, it, because you're accelerating the death benefit, you don't have a fixed benefit, so it gets kind of nasty. Uh, and I could talk for right. an hour about that and still not answer that question. <laughs> uh, okay. But, you know... I, I've had a person with MS who couldn't get any of the traditional or the, or the, or the long-term care products who I got one of those life insurance policies with a chronic illness rider. So you got to know what's out there. There are also long-term care annuities that are also more liberal on the underwriting. You might be used as a last resort. Okay. Okay. Uh, As far as pros and cons of regular long-term care versus hybrid. Oh goodness. That's a three hour conversation. (laughs) Most efficient way to buy true long-term care protection every time is going to be standalone traditional long-term care insurance. Okay. The downsides to that, what if you never need long-term care? Well, hurrah, okay? You don't go to bed at night and roll over to your spouse and say, you know, honey, I wish the house would burn just once. We've paid all this money for for house and homeowners insurance. You don't buy it hoping you use it, but some people get hung up on that. Yeah. Well, hybrids, you know something's coming back no matter what, either the death benefit long-term care benefits, some of both, or a surrender value. Okay. So that's the upside. The downside is they cost more because the carrier knows they're paying something back. Yeah. So the the general sort of consensus I get towards insurance products that try to be all things to all people is they do everything sort of well, but nothing really well. Does it kind of dilute their value and benefit when you start clumping together all these different Oh, sure. Definitely. Like you said, anytime you've got one tool that's trying to do five or six different things, it's like the Ronco, you know, 
Colossal Master. It, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't do anything really well, but it does a lot right. of different things. Yeah. You know, the hybrids are good products. I sell a lot of the hybrids. You've got to have you've got to be a little bit in, in a little bit stronger financial position for the hybrids to make sense. Okay, uh-huh. but what's really good about some of the hybrids, Andy, is they they pay a cash benefit instead of a reimbursement benefit like the traditional long term care. You know, if, if I've got a traditional policy with a ten thousand dollar a month benefit and I'm using twenty six hundred dollars worth of care, I get reimbursed that twenty six hundred dollars. Okay. If I've got a hybrid policy with a cash benefit and I've got a ten thousand dollar a month benefit and I go on claim, I'm getting a check for ten thousand dollars. No matter how much you're actually spending. No matter how there. much my expenses are. And if I want to pay my daughter five thousand dollars a month to hang around and help provide care, I can do that. Got so it. So you have a lot more flexibility with those products. Now, is that um, so the traditional sounds like it's mostly what's called reimbursement, right? You only get the benefit to the extent of what you actually paid in, in care. Correct. Um, the other name, did they change that? I, I thought it was indemnity or, or something along those lines. Cash indemnity, same thing. Same, okay. So as long as you have any service, you'll get paid the full sticker amount of your coverage. As long as you're still eligible for benefits for the full month, you're going to get the full monthly benefit. Yep. Got it. Now, do traditional policies not have that, or it's just less common or more expensive to do? Way back when, Unum had a total home care policy that would do that, but no, there are none. Right, Mutual of Omaha right now is the best traditional product on the market, and it'll give you okay. a 25% cash benefit, but it's very limited. Okay. Uh, it's, it's kind of timely, I guess. So given that the industry has consolidated so much, how likely is it that the companies you mentioned, those 10 or so, yep. are going to be there in 20 years? Again, great questions. You've got a great audience. <laughs> this sharp. is the same thing, and you may or may not know this, Andy, but what's happened to long-term care over the last 25 years is the same thing that happened to disability insurance in the 80s. Hmm. You had a bunch of carriers that jumped into the market and started selling benefit-rich plans to get a foothold and really build big market share, and then they realized, oh, my God, this isn't for us. We don't want to do this, and they got out. Now there are 10 companies that sell disability insurance. Yeah. Same thing with long-term care insurance. You have to make sure you're working with good, solid companies. That's why you work with an agent who understands this stuff. You do not work with a B-rated carrier for long-term care insurance. Don't do it. Okay. You work with carriers that are conservative underwriters. There are only two insurance companies that sell long-term care that have gone under. Those were both carriers who said, if, if somebody else declines you medically, we'll take you. Come see us. Okay. Okay, so work with solid, A-rated or better. Work with companies that do very good conservative medical underwriting. And if the carrier you're looking at is priced at, you know, 60% less than everybody else, that tells you there's going to be an issue with that carrier. Okay. So every, you can find good companies, put yourself in my, my shoes. The last thing I want to be doing when I'm 75 is taking calls from my 90 year old clients. And they're asking me, where'd my insurance company go? So (laughs) exactly. So, okay. Now, is it um, true? I heard that part of the reason there's been premium increases is partly because too many people got in, either didn't know what they were doing or undercut themselves and you know underestimated the the uh, actual cost of right. or usage of benefits. Um, and in order to stay solvent or at least keep the products viable, regulators have required them to increase premiums. Is that is that true? <clears throat> the regulators won't call the insurance company and say, hey, Genworth, you want to raise your rates? But they have to take all that into account when they get a rate increase filing. Okay. I guess every okay. Let me. I'm going to back up a little bit. So if I get a little bit long winded here, rein me in, Andy. Okay. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Life insurance has been around for centuries. Annuities, centuries. Long term care insurance has been around for 45 years. All the carriers recognize the need 
but they used a lot of the same pricing assumptions they used for life insurance and annuities when tackling long-term care. And it's an entirely different risk. They didn't know what they were doing. And because of that, if you go online and Google long-term care rate increases, you're going to see horror stories. Okay. It's a bloodbath. People that bought this stuff in 1982 and their rates have increased by 90%. My own policy, the rates have gone up by 75%. But now today they have 40 years of claims paying experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. They've fixed those pricing assumptions. So you're going to pay a lot more to get into long-term care insurance today than you would have back then. But that means the rates are going to be far more stable moving forward. Uh, That's good color. That's an interesting way to view it. You know, I didn't, I knew it was a fairly young industry or um, business, I should say. Uh, but that that's actually makes a lot of sense to think about. Like they, they got it so wrong. They've sort of corrected yeah. these pricing problems. And now hopefully going forward, pricing is more stable. This, um, okay. So the society of actuaries, all right, actuaries, these are the guys that the CPAs made fun of in high school. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, in 2015 came out with a study that if you've got a long-term care insurance plan that was rated priced 2014 or later, there's only about a 10% chance it's ever going to need a rate increase. Okay. And if it does, it's going to be this small. Okay. I've helped probably 250 client couples through rate increases over the last 17 years. I've had one couple, one couple, one couple cancel their policy. Okay. You can manage these rate increases if you know how to do it. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're fun, but you can get through it. Yeah. Um, good question. I was just about to ask you step back briefly, the hybrid, you know, just, we kind of throw that term around. Yep. Um, what is it in, in, in layman's okay. terms? So you're going to hear hybrid. You're going to hear combo products. You're going to hear asset-based long-term care. Okay. These are life insurance policies. They're built on a universal life chassis or in one company's case, a whole life chassis. So you're buying a life insurance policy that has a tax qualified long-term care rider attached to it. Okay. okay. These things stink as life insurance. Okay. Uh, one of the best hybrids on the market right now is nationwide. Okay, there's nationwide, Securian, uh, Lincoln Financial's Money Guard. You've got Pacific Life and State Life. Those are really the five carriers in the market. Okay, okay. five good carriers. Uh, if I buy a, nas- a nationwide policy with a one hundred thousand dollars single premium, okay, okay. Uh, a lot of these a lot of these can be funded with a single premium. So you've got money sitting in a CD. You're not doing anything with it. You're just going to move it over to this life insurance policy. Okay. Well, I bought $100,000 worth of life insurance. My death benefit's going to be $100,000, okay? It's, yeah. It stinks as life insurance, but that's not why you're buying it. Yeah. You're going to, by the time you're 85 with that policy, you're going to have $600,000 that you can use for long-term care. But if you never need long-term care and just go to sleep some night, somebody's getting that $100,000 back. They get, okay. Okay. They get something out of it either way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, about the covered, the benefit period, uh, does it ever reset? I know you said you can pool it and share it with uh, one of the riders, but. So remember, the three-year benefit period only matters if you were to use the full benefit amount every day, day after day after day after day with traditional long-term care. Within. But let's say that I use, I have got a three-year period. I've got a, let's just say a $200,000 bucket of money when I go on claim. If I use $100,000 and then recover to the point where I don't qualify anymore, that remaining $100,000 is always going to be sitting there. Okay? okay. But if I use up my entire three-year bucket of money, whether it takes me three years or five years or seven years, once that bucket's empty, then I'm done. My benefits are, 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 are exhausted. Yes. So why do they even bother calling it a benefit period and just say you have a pot of money? Marketing, <laughs> I guess. I don't oh, really? know. Okay. <laughs> um, 
it's interesting. I guess this is in reference to home care. Yep. Are they on, on alert 24-7? And if so, I would assume that increased the cost. Um, how is that managed? Is there a night nurse? Well, now, now first of all, the 24-7 home care situation, usually, not only, usually is going to be a family member there, okay? Okay. Uh, because most people who need 24-7 care, if they don't have any family around, they're going to be either in assisted living or a nursing home out of necessity, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, yes, if you have a 24-7 care need, that's why the local home care agency is going to schedule those shifts for you. Okay. So it's not going to be the same person. Now, you could do the whole, I'm going to hire an independent RN to be my 24-7 live-in caregiver, but then you're an employer. So you got to deal with employment issues and tax issues and all of that nonsense. So yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of that in many cases. Would that still, it complicates it, but, but would that still qualify as coverage where your, your benefit amount could apply towards oh, whatever sure. you have to Definitely. Okay, great. Uh, who decides when the elimination period actually begins? Who decides when it begins? Okay. Well, it begins when you need help with 206 ADLs or you're severely cognitive impaired. Now, the only thing I didn't mention earlier is it has to be a chronic situation. Okay. That just means okay. that the illness or disability is expected to last at least 90 days. Okay. Okay. Uh, that just means for a broken leg, you're not going to go on claim for long-term care because you're going to be back on your feet well before 90 days. So yeah. who decides when that begins? Uh Typically, the carrier is going to take a look at your medical records. You know, they may require a face-to-face assessment, although that's not nearly as common as it used to be. Usually, it's just going to be medical records and a discussion on the phone. Okay. And they, is it as soon as they say, okay, yes, we agree, you're not able to do two of six, start now, like go. It's, It's like that, basically? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, benefits are typically going to pay a month in arrears, okay? Because remember, I've got to send in the receipts, and then they're going to reimburse me for my expenses. Uh, But yeah, uh, I I had a client. This is kind of, if I can take just a couple of minutes. I had a client I sold long-term care insurance to probably 15 years ago. And I was talking to her. I I stopped by. I called her. I said I wanted to have coffee. I stopped by the house, and we talked for maybe 45 minutes. And I asked her if she got out much, and she said, well, no, but but I can't remember the girl's name, Sally or Amber or whatever it was kind of keeps me in in touch with the world every day. And I said, well, who, who's Sally? Well, she's the woman that comes in in the mornings to help me. Well, to help you with what? Well, I, I've got a good walk-in shower, but I don't feel comfortable getting in and out anymore. So she's here with me in the mornings. Well, she didn't realize that she needed standby assistance with bathing and dressing. We had her on claim three weeks later. Okay. Well, for, for who knows how long she was kind of giving up those benefits, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Alrighty, that's a wrap for the first part of my replay of the video with Carrie Peabody about long-term care insurance. Be sure to come back next week in this podcast, which will be episode 35, to catch the second part of the the chat I had with Carrie in my Facebook group, Taxes and Retirement, back in April 2021. Uh, Speaking of taxes and retirement, if you like this podcast, you like the kind of stuff discussed here, you will definitely be into my other content sources. My Facebook group is Taxes and Retirement. My YouTube channel is Retirement Planning Demystified, and my monthly newsletter is Retirement Planning Insights. You can find links to all three of those in the notes to this show. And um, as always, if you do like and enjoy and appreciate this podcast, it would be I'd be super thankful if you were to uh, give it a like, a thumbs up, a click, a subscribe, a whatever through means of positive acknowledgement through whatever uh, podcast platform you use to listen to it. That's it. I will check you next week for part two of my chat with Carrie Peabody. The information discussed in this podcast is only general explanations and education. It is not specific tax, legal, or investment advice. Before considering acting on anything you heard here, first consult with your tax, legal, or investment advisor. Thank you.